Welcome to this week's episode of The Read Out Loud, a weekly biotech podcast from Stat. I'm Damian Garde, recording from Stat's New York City Bureau. I'm Adam Feuerstein, coming to you from Stat's worldwide headquarters in Boston. And I'm Rebecca Robbins, recording from Stat's Outpost in San Francisco. It is Thursday, October 24th, and this week we're going to devote this entire episode to a single story, Biogen's shocking decision to resurrect a left-for-dead Alzheimer's drug. So first, we're going to walk you through a high-level overview of what happened, how everyone reacted, and why this move was so significant. Next, our stat colleague Sharon Bagley will join us for a discussion of the science at play here. We'll parse how experts reacted, what it all means for the amyloid hypothesis, and why this decision was so controversial. Then we'll talk to a patient who had been enrolled in one of the trials for Biogen's drug. Debbie Rosencrantz, a retired social worker, will tell us what this week was like for her. And finally, we'll be joined by our stat colleague, Matt Herper, for a discussion of the business implications of all this for Biogen. And we'll talk about the personalities, the Wall Street response, and what to watch for next. But first, a word about Stat Plus. Enjoying the Read Out Loud? Subscribe to Stat Plus to get stories like these. Stat Plus delivers daily market-moving coverage from across biotech, pharma, and the life sciences. Subscribe today to get access to breaking news, exclusives, and analysis from our award-winning team. Subscribe to Stat Plus today at statnews.com slash subscribe. And as a special thanks for being a Read Out Loud listener, enjoy 10% off your first year by using the code POD, P-O-D. So let's start with what was, without any hyperbole, the most shocking biotech news in all of 2019. On Tuesday morning at around 7 a.m. Eastern, Biogen told the world that it was going to seek FDA approval for aducanumab, which is a treatment meant to slow the progress of Alzheimer's disease. So where the shock comes in is that back in March, Biogen terminated two huge clinical trials of the drug after concluding there was no way it would meet its goals of beating placebo on measures of patients' cognition. Right. And thus, people around the world were left to ask, what happened between March and October? So Biogen's answer, at least nominally, is is kind of simple. The decision back in March was based on trial data dating to December. When the company looked at all of the data, it saw that one of those trials met its goal, and while the other one didn't, there was a subset of patients who got the highest dose of aducanumab and seemed to benefit. So we'll get to whether that makes any sense in a bit, but we should first talk about the implications of all of this. So right away on Tuesday, we saw Biogen's stock price just go through the roof. The stock gained about $12 billion on Tuesday in one of the company's best days on record. By contrast, the decision to terminate the trials back in March wiped away more than $15 billion in market value. And that's because revenue projections for this drug tend to start around $10 billion a year or so, and they go up from there. So the termination back in March was a huge blow to Biogen. And beyond that, it was a huge blow to the idea that targeting brain plaques called beta amyloid, and that's what aducatumab does, uh, could treat Alzheimer's. It feels like we spent March kind of digesting this news and then moving on, only to be shoved right back into it by Biogen. So beyond the scientific nuances uh, of, of this whole thing, which we'll get into in a bit, the next big thing to watch focuses squarely on the FDA. As, as we mentioned, the real news here is that Biogen is going to make its case to the FDA that aducanumab should be approved based on these data. And the company was was very careful to note that it has been consulting with the agency um, about this decision over the past few months. And of course, Biogen's not saying that the FDA has rubber stamped this because the FDA doesn't do that. Um, but 
they're clearly trying to get into our heads that this isn't some renegade decision that their scientists cooked up in a back room, that there is some validity to this and, and, and sort of a, a regulatory logic at play. And Adam, you have a good read on these things. Do you have a sense, given the tone of, of Biogen's announcement here, uh, where the FDA might be and, and what they might want going forward? Well, I think it's it's important. I guess it's a couple things here to note. One is that, you know, uh, we're, we're getting a one-sided view of this conversation, right? Biogen is telling us what the data now show. They're telling us about their conversations and their meetings with the FDA. We're not hearing the FDA's side, right? Uh, the FDA is not allowed to say anything. So we really don't know what the FDA actually said to Biogen. Um, and, you know, the FDA generally doesn't kind of rubber stamp things. I mean, this could have been a situation where the FDA says, sure, you have this data, file it, we'll take a look. Um, you know, so that's, I would say, like, the next kind of thing that we need to to, to watch out for would be assuming that Biogen does file this drug at sometime early next year. The first thing to look at is just will the FDA accept that filing? You know, will they say, yes, let's review this drug? And I think most people kind of expect that. But, you know, there's a chance that they don't. So, like, that would be some indication that the FDA was somewhat OK with this new analysis. And just for a glimpse at how long this saga is going to be, if the FDA accepts that application, it is very, very, very likely to convene a panel of outside experts some number of months later to dig into this data and to make recommendations as to whether the FDA should in fact approve it or ask Biogen to run another trial. And so um, in addition to shocking everyone, what, what Biogen also did was kind of set the narrative for the conversation around Alzheimer's for the next 12 to 14 months, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think timelines here are obviously pretty fluid. We don't know precisely when Biogen is going to submit to the FDA. But I would generally think that, you know, this is like a year long process, like, you know, a year from now, we may be still talking about this. So we know very well how Biogen feels about the aducanumab data, and the company's surging stock price tells us where Wall Street stands. But what about Alzheimer's experts with no financial interest in the drug? So that's Sharon Begley has been talking to neuroscientists about Biogen's big news this week, and she joins us now to share some of what she's heard. Sharon, thanks for coming back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Sharon, is there anything resembling a consensus about just what's going on with aducanumab? I would say the closest thing to agreement among outside experts is what you might call questioning and confused. As we and we have written about this week, um, Biogen had two essentially parallel trials of um, aducanumab. One was called Emerge, one was called Engage. Um, they had the same kind of patients, those with mild cognitive impairment or mild Alzheimer's disease, the, the least worst forms of the disease. Um, basically the same protocol, slightly different timing. And confusingly, um, Emerge showed a benefit over placebo on the four cognitive scales that the company used. But Engage, again, basically the same study, was worse than placebo um, at the highest dose on Biogen's primary endpoint cognitive um, assessment. So everybody is asking, how can you get diametrically opposed results in basically identical trials? So Biogen's explanation basically boils down to one trial worked and one didn't, and that was because patients in the engaged trial didn't spend enough time getting the highest dose of the drug. Are experts buying that? Possibly, but 
it, it, if you look at the data, only about 100 patients um, fit into that category. And the other concern with the highest dose is that about um, across the studies, about one third of patients had this brain swelling. Um, that's a fairly significant um, adverse event from the drug, um, with many of them having headaches as a result. So you ha there's concern about how many people can be on the high dose for how long. And remember, this would be a drug that people would have to take. It would be an infusion for the rest of their lives. So trials like the Educanumab one use all sorts of measurements of cognitive ability to determine whether the drug is working. And I think that conversation can get a little abstract. So I was going to ask you, if the Biogen data are in fact reliable, what kind of real life effects might Educanumab actually have on patients with Alzheimer's? So let's look at their best result. Um, again, this was from Emerge um, at the highest doses. And the best result is that they had a 23% reduction in the rate of cognitive decline compared to placebo. So again, underline, everybody got worse. The people who had the best response to aducanumab over the longest time got worse more slowly. So in, in terms of you know patient experience, um, that means, again, as we said, um, these patients had, at worst, mild Alzheimer's disease. Generally, you take uh, three years to get from mild to moderate Alzheimer's, which obviously is worse, this would extend that to four years. So instead of declining into the next phase of Alzheimer's in three years, people would take four to get there, but it looks like they would still get there anyway. Sharon, you've written quite a bit about the amyloid hypothesis and how it has divided Alzheimer's researchers for, you know, for decades. Uh, the purported end of aducatumab back in March felt like the kind of thing that would get everyone to move on from this theory or this thesis. What do you think of, uh, of this drug's kind of miraculous return? And you know, what does that mean in this context? So uh, Biogen's antibody was widely considered the best in terms of going after amyloid. Um, it had just, you know, the right molecular structure, all the things that you would want. And Biogen also got credit for running the best clinical trial in the sense that they made absolutely sure that the patients they enrolled had amyloid in the brain. Crazily, a lot of the clinical trials of monoclonal antibodies that went after amyloid included patients that did not have amyloid. So, you know, you look back on that and ask, what were people thinking? But in any case, so Biogen did it right. Um, you know, you hear some chatter that some of the, the previous failed amyloid targeting monoclonal antibodies might somehow be revived. Um, that looks like a really heavy lift. Um, you know, can you see Pfizer or Lilly or Merck or J&J &J or any of the others, you know, writing another check for, you know, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars to try to make a go of it, especially since, again, their drugs are regarded as not quite as good as Biogen's. So that would be the best case. But in terms of other ways to approach Alzheimer's, just to emphasize, these patients kept getting worse. The disease was not halted. It certainly was not reversed. So surely you got to hope if you're a patient or a caregiver or anyone who's hoping to live to be 80 or 85, that companies and researchers will continue to go after other agents that can have a hope, a prayer of stopping the disease and maybe even reversing it. So my next question for you, Sharon, is about media coverage. So naturally, the British press responded to this week's news with restraint and caution. Just kidding. The uh, BBC's headline was, quote, first drug that can slow Alzheimer's dementia, end quote. And the Daily Mail's headline was, quote, first drug that can 
SLOW, SLOW in all caps, Alzheimer's, is ready to bring to market after promising trials, company claims. So we've talked on this podcast before about how this kind of media coverage can shape public perception and expectations of um, medical research. More broadly, Sharon, what did you think of the way the science was covered this week? I thought that people were pretty responsible, um, even, you know, in the headlines you read, Rebecca, emphasis on slowing. Um, You know, you can't fit into a headline slowing the rate of cognitive decline. But, you know, thank God we didn't see words like cure in in the headlines. Um, It's it's pretty complicated science, or I would say it's especially complicated biostatistics. Um, So, you know, I had experts both in Alzheimer's and in biostatistics, you know, kindly looking at Biogen slides for me. And it took them a while to figure out what the heck was going on there, again, especially because we had the two trials engage and emerge and primary endpoint, three secondary endpoints, et cetera. So it's it's pretty complicated. But, you know, in all honesty, if the word out there, if if the message that people have received is that there is something that has, you know, even a little bit of a, a possibility of doing something in this disease for which there is no good treatment that actually targets the mechanism of the disease, you know what? More power to them. Sharon, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to pivot our conversation now to focus on another side of the aducanumab story, and that's the patients who participated in Biogen's clinical trials. So it's obviously very important to talk about the science of Alzheimer's and to debate the strengths and weaknesses of the aducanumab clinical data that we've seen, but we shouldn't forget that more than 5 million Americans are struggling to live and cope with the disease, which can be a tremendous burden on their families and their caregivers. And there would not be Alzheimer's data to debate if not for the people who volunteer to enroll in clinical trials. Our stat colleague, Andrew Joseph, has been covering this side of the Alzheimer's story, and we are fortunate today to be joined by two people he has featured in his work. So Debbie Rosencrantz is a retired social worker who participated in Biogen's clinical trial and learned after it was halted that she had been in the group receiving aducanumab. Debbie, welcome to The Read Out Loud. Thank you. So Debbie is joined here today by her wife and retired University of Massachusetts professor Susan Waskey. Susan, thanks for your time. Thanks. So Debbie, how are you doing? Um, up and down, pretty excited these days. I'm excited to be able to possibly start up the treatments again. And it's so much better than just sitting and not knowing what to do and feeling like you're treading water, working hard, but just treading water. I had felt when I was taking the medication that I was stable. And so it was so disappointing when they shut it down and that we had none of the understanding of why that decision had been made. In fact, a friend of mine was on a 6 a.m. airplane called me and told me that it had been shut down. That was how I found out. It just is such a relief to feel like at least there's another effort to try to address the Alzheimer's. So, so Debbie, everyone was surprised, I think, by Biogen's decision this week to resurrect aducanumab. Um, when did you hear the news, uh, and what was your reaction when you heard it this week? I think I again got a text from a friend, <laughs> Modern Technology, that they had read that it was back on, and I was pretty much in disbelief. I, was, I don't think so. I think you, I think you're mistaken. But I was thrilled to find out that, in fact, she wasn't mistaken. And this wasn't an option for me again. To be able to also be a part of a community of other people getting the treatment is, for me, also helpful. So you mentioned before that that you felt like the the drug was having an effect during the trial. 
How did it benefit you? What, what kind of effects were you seeing? Um, I felt like I was remembering better. So I had that testing done when I was diagnosed, and then I had the testing done a full year later, and I didn't decline at all in that full year. And in fact, I could still tell you some of the tests that they gave me that year. There's little pieces of it that are still in my memory bank. The testing was many hours long. It was exhausting. It, I could feel when I did the test more recently that I just don't have the same memories. And Susan, did you notice a difference while Debbie was participating in the clinical trial? I think that it's, you know, it's hard from a caregiver standpoint because we're, um, you know, kind of, I, I like to say we're in the trees uh, and the incremental changes one direction or the other are difficult to see. But I, I can say that I didn't see any significant declines during that time. So I think that that to me was um you know, indicating that it was having a positive effect. And plus, the positive effect of feeling like you're doing something. To participate in something that you hope in the end will, if it doesn't affect you, at least it'll help others in the future is, is you know, provides hope. So Biogen has said this week that it's working to open a, a new study that would allow former participants like yourself to receive the drug again. Uh, you know, there wouldn't be a placebo arm. All the participants would receive the drug. Uh, Debbie, is that something that you're going to do? Yes. Yeah, I would definitely do it. What, the one thing I'm curious about with it is for some reason, the um, I don't understand the science of it, but it made me very itchy. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to start scratching again. But it's totally worth it being itchy to be able to address the decline what has it been like to cope with the kind of topsy-turvy nature of, of this aducanumab clinical trial from, from how much promise there was to the cancellation in March to obviously the news this week? I guess it would be, I kind of tried to say it, but it's been a roller coaster. I don't know if I'm repeating myself, but I felt really supported by the cohort uh, of the people. And so when I lost the study, I also lost that connection and that support system that I had through the study of having Alzheimer's and trying to figure out what to do with it. And the clinicians had been so wonderful that losing them felt like a, you know, a, a major loss. And I guess maybe, Susan, we'd ask you the same question. You know, what's it been like for you during this period? I think uh, initially the frustration was how little information we were given uh, from Biogen about the reasons for the cancellation. Um, I think a lot of the investigators also felt that way and that we never actually heard directly from Biogen even a thank you for participating. So that was kind of frustrating at that juncture. Since then, I feel like we, you know, we've just gone on and are trying to move forward and do all the things that we can um, to enjoy the time uh, in front of us right now. And for, for Debbie or Susan, or both of you, I suppose, do you have any advice for people with Alzheimer's who might be thinking about participating in a clinical trial? Like, you know, what should they know before making that decision based on your experience? Interesting question. I mean, I would always encourage anybody to do a clinical trial because it's better than doing nothing. I feel glad that I did the trial and I would do it again, even if it hadn't been helpful because it was better than just sitting <clears throat> with the Alzheimer's. And it also was good to be a part, small as it was, of a community of people that were getting treatment. So Debbie, Susan, thank you both again uh, for speaking with us. And we wish both of you really well. Thank you for uh, interviewing us because it's important to keep this 
question of treatment of Alzheimer's on the forefront. next segment, we're going to talk about all the business implications that this week's news poses for Biogen. Joining us for that conversation is our stat colleague, Matt Herper. Matt, thanks as always for joining us. Thanks as always for having me. So Matt, any discussion of what this week's news means for Biogen must start with Al Sanrock. He is the executive vice president of research and development at Biogen. Uh, He is also the man most responsible for the development of aducanumab uh, and this week's decision to resurrect the drug. So Matt knows Al Sandrock well. He spoke to him at length this past spring for a big profile. Matt, to the best of your ability, tell us how Al Sandrock's thinking likely played into Biogen's decision here. Well, I mean, the thing you have to realize is in, in both the neuroscience field and in um, and at Biogen, and for a long time among investors, although there's been some changes, a lot of investors don't like the whole aducanumab story, Al is really kind of a revered presence. He was instrumental in uh, bringing back Tisabri uh, for multiple sclerosis when the drug had been withdrawn, uh, in, in licensing Spinraza, and also in Tecfidera, Biogen's big MS drug. So he's a guy with a track record, and he always had a lot of faith in this program. And when I profiled him uh, earlier this year, he was kind of visibly shaken that it hadn't worked and felt really felt like he'd let people down. Um, when I spoke to him, when Biogen announced that they were going to be submitting to the FDA, he'd, he'd had a bit of a turnaround. He said he had to pinch himself uh, to believe the new results. Um, and really, with Al's elevation to this new role where he was, um, where he's heading both research and development at Biogen, I think that the it really was telegraphing that something was going to happen with aducanumab. I don't think any of us outside the company guessed that that something would be such a dramatic turnaround. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that new role because there's a little bit of maybe Biogen Kremlinology to be done. The former head of research and development was a guy, Mike Ellers, and he just left the company earlier this month. And and then we get this aducanumab decision following that. Do you think that that move played a role in this decision or perhaps, you know, the other way around this decision was being made and that might have motivated the move? It's entirely possible. Uh, Biogen said that seemed to imply that was not the case uh, on the call. But, you know, the decisions to change jobs are often complicated and sometimes not. And without knowing every many people have asked me what Mike Ellers thinks, and I would very much like to know. So let's shift the conversation to Wall Street. Adam, you talked to a bunch of buy-side analysts on the street this week. What do they think of Biogen's decision here? And what do they think this means for the company's stock going forward? Yeah, Rebecca, so I did. I I spoke to nearly a dozen uh, buy-side investors, you know, people who are deeply focused on healthcare this week uh, after the Biogen news hit. And one guy I talked to who's pretty deeply cynical about all of this, he said this was like basically a game of corporate three-card Monty. Um, You know, most of the people that I spoke to were skeptical. I would say that no one really believes in aducanumab, doesn't, you know, maybe 50-50, doesn't really believe that this drug works and that, um, you know, that this new sort of reanalysis is, is, is a real thing. But at the same time, they're dealing in the real world in which 
Alzheimer's is a disease where there are no really good treatments. And we live in a world where the FDA has taken a very flexible approach to drug approvals. So while I was hearing a lot of skepticism, I was also hearing from people who thought that, that there is a path forward for this drug and that there is a plausible way that it could be approved. One through line, I think, Adam, in your reporting and in, in what people have said that I think is kind of fascinating is that there seems to be, as you mentioned, a, a big dearth of faith in this, in the idea that aducanumab will eventually become a product. But if you are in finance, if you're on the investor side, the risk that it does and you aren't there to profit from it when it does, or, or, or rather you are you know, left out in the rain on the off chance that this is the biggest drug in human history, as I think it was described um, on, on cable financial news recently, you will probably lose your job. So it feels like people kind of grudgingly being bullied into investing in Biogen because the sort of fear of missing out aspect is, is the larger motivator than any kind of hope. Yeah, no, that I, I definitely heard that. Uh, you know, there was definitely a FOMO aspect here, and I think it helps explain why the stock reacted positively to this. Look, not get too deep in the weeds, but if you're a long only investor, you know, you, you know, you can only own stocks, and uh, you know, buy them, not short them. Um, and if you are, if your performance is sort of pegged to some benchmark that includes Biogen, if you don't own that stock and something wonderful happens and Aducatumab gets approved. Um, you you kind of have to be in that, right? You you, you know you're you're going to be missing out, and your performance is going to is going to be worse than your peers, and and so you know you've got funds who are have to buy the stock for that reason, even if they don't necessarily believe in the drug. It's riskier here than it normally is because a lot of what we really want to know about aducanumab, Biogen may know, but we don't. Uh, there are a lot of questions out there that are going to depend on. The data presentation, particularly, we're really looking at one study that looks statistically positive and one that doesn't in this high dose group. And the FDA's decision is going to depend on picking those data apart with a fine tooth comb. So I, I really, you know, I do think investors, if you don't believe, I think that's, that's going to be a really nerve wracking place to be because the details you really need to make a decision you don't have and you kind of know that. So Matt, from Biogen's vantage point, what are the key things you're going to be watching for uh, as aducanumab moves forward? The biggest thing is the presentation of the data, which we're expecting in December. You know, I think there's there's been an experience with Alzheimer's drugs, including with the earlier studies of aducanumab, where positive early data, once kind of the details emerged, uh, didn't always hold together. So for people who are skeptical, that's going to be a big uh, a big moment. And then we're just, we're really going to be waiting on the FDA process. And that means until we, one would assume there will be a panel around this drug, uh, an advisory panel with experts, and that will mean a whole bunch of documents coming out right before. And this is one of those cases where what the FDA statisticians find and what the FDA's reviewers find is really going to matter to the decision. No matter how likely it is, I think that we'd all agree that exactly how all of these high dose groups play out, right? You're really doing kind of a post hoc analysis on some parts of the trial. It, it's going to depend a lot on what they find. And we're just not going to know. And the stock's going to trade on this without much information after the data presentation. Matt, thanks for coming on the podcast. Damien, thanks for having me.
does it for another episode of The Read Out Loud. Thank you to Alex Hogan, who produced this week's episode. Matthew Orr and Alyssa Ambrose are our senior producers. Rick Burke is our executive producer. And as always, we would love to hear from you. Tell us what you liked about this week's episode, what you didn't like, and what you make of the resurrection of Educanumab. You can do all of that by sending us an email at readoutloud at statnews.com. And as always, if you like what we do, leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use to get your podcast. See you next week.